0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or your phone or or, or tablet, whatever you have, to Judges chapter 20. We're going we're to pretty much camp out in Judges chapter 20 tonight. We're going to spend a little time and talking about something that I, I believe that the Lord showed me. And I know that he, this morning, honestly, when I woke up this morning, I didn't know what I'd be preaching tonight. But as I got before the Lord and as I began to read my Bible and pray and ask the Lord's direction... He gave me this this morning, and it's it's so cool, as you'll see, um, the song selection that was picked. I asked Nathan even a couple of weeks ago how the Holy Spirit is so faithful to do this. So as you turn to Judges chapter 20, I'm going to just set up the story a little bit for time's sake. We want to, um, you know, shorten the service a little bit to baptize and have some time of celebration after. But at this time in the history of Israel, there were some men from the the, the tribe of Benjamin that committed a very, very wicked act. Uh, You can actually read in the chapter before in chapter uh, 19 uh, all about this and what he did, uh, what these men did. And it was a horrific, wicked uh, act. And for time's sake, and I know some children here, you can go. I encourage you to read it uh, on your own time. And so because of this, the victim's husband, along with the rest of the tribes of Israel, wanted the men of Benjamin to turn over these wicked men so justice could be served. Well, the, the the tribe of Benjamin refused. They said, "No, we're not going to turn these men over to to let you persecute." Uh, or uh, said the word "persecute," even when you when you on trial for something, it is still persecute, prosecute. That, I knew that didn't sound right. Prosecute. Thank you, Pastor Rob Bob, for helping me out there. So that word, yes. They said, "No, we're not going to turn these men over." To you. So when the men of Benjamin refused to turn these men over, a mini war ensued between the tribe of Benjamin. And the rest of the tribes of Israel. So that's where, that's the backstory of what we're going to be reading here tonight. So if you look at Judges chapter 20 and verse 19, I'm going to read a little bit, 19 through 28. It says this. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. Then they advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors who were defending the town came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, go and fight against them. So the next day they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was at Bethel. And Phinehas, son of Eliezer, and grandson of Aaron was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again or should we stop? The Lord said, go, tomorrow I will hand Them over to you. Let's pray over our time in the Word. Father, we thank you for your word that it's awesome, powerful, living, and true. Holy Spirit, we just ask you would speak to us, help us, help me as I present this word tonight. Give us the grace to receive it, encourage, strengthen, and Lord God, just empower us to carry this word out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we see the children of Israel or all the rest of the tribes of Israel went up to battle against Benjamin and they lost two times in a row. But then the Lord told them to go a third time. They went to battle a third time, and this time they won. Judges 20, 35 says, so the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin. You see, after losing the first two battles, the Israelites bounced back, and the third time they were victorious. So as we read that story, there's a few key things that they did after losing the first time that I believe were paramount for their victory the third time. And I believe these same things that they did to gain the victory are keys to helping us bounce back from the battles that we go through in life. And you know, that's why I say it's so encouraging. It's so awesome how the Lord does this. I asked Nathan, he said Conetro put that set list together like two weeks ago. And the, the, the last song was, this is how I fight my battles. Amen? And then Hannah had a word about encouraging you in the midst of the battle. And so having no idea, they didn't know. I didn't even know what I was preaching until later this morning. And here we are talking about bouncing back from lost battles. Because the truth is, we all go through battles in life, right? They can be physical battles. They can be uh spiritual battles, which we go through a lot, especially as born-again believers. Just can be, you feel like you're battling. Sometimes you feel like you're battling your spouse, right? Well, y'all, y'all might be more spiritual than me, I guess. Sometimes it feels like you may be in a battle with your spouse. I guess you're not saying it because your spouse is next to you. So it probably would create a battle if you agreed with me, right? <laughs> of, amen. so um amen. So, right, but you know, we go through battles. Does everybody, you, you go through different battles. Maybe it's a battle of the mind. I know there's a famous book out there called The Battlefield of the Mind. It might be of your thoughts and, and all kinds of different battles, spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, you know, that you go through. And the truth is, we don't win all of our battles. There's some battles that we feel like we've we lost. Either we have or we lost. You know, talking to my mom the other day, she's like, "Hey, you know, losing some battles, but the war is not over yet." You know, and so, right? Amen. So it's just like we really she understands. She has faith that you know, in a in a in a boxing match or now MMA's big, and any kind of they have nine rounds or ten rounds or five or whatever it is. You may lose the first three four rounds, but the one fighter can come back in the last round and knock the other guy out. Right, and so. It's like that in life a lot too. So this story shows us there's examples to how you bounce back after losing battles, and and ultimately it's what we what, what Hannah said. I don't know if she knew it, but she had a word to lead in to this message. And that 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 again, the the, the worship song that we sang, four keys to to bouncing back from. A lost battle. And before I go into that, let me say this, just to set it up, because, because I like, I like giving this, if, if, you're not familiar, uh, with, with Old Testament stories like this, or stories of war and battle, you might just say like, well, Brandon, you're, you're a man, you like a warmonger or something, you like these things. No, no, I, I do like, I do enjoy history and, and war and that kind of stuff in the context of scripture, and, and just to see that. But there's a scripture in, 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 uh, First Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says that, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm addressing why do I use Old Testament battle stories to teach us about New Testament principles. Well, this is not a new idea. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says that All of these stories that we read in the Old Testament are types and shadows. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 7, Brother Francis. I don't know if you're sure. The reference, I think it's 1 Corinthians 7. He says, these things that we read about from the Israelites back in the Old Testament are either types or the word shadows, typos. It's a shadow. It's an example for us, he says. So what we read in the natural, in these Old Testament stories, the Apostle Paul says we can apply it to our life in the spiritual realm as New Testament believers. Does that make sense? So that's why I use Old Testament stories, and I, that's why they're in the Bible. You wonder, man, why is this? And if you read what these men of Benjamin did, it's a crazy story, and you'd be like, wow. You know, this, why is that in there? Well, there's lessons that the Lord put in there for us to learn. So let's look at four keys to bouncing back from lost battles. Number one, surround yourself with people that would encourage you to keep going. Surround yourself with people that will encourage you to keep going. Judges 20, 22 says this, but the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place that they fought at the previous day. This is a great example of why we need to stay connected to the body of Christ. We need to get connected, but then stay connected. And and I think it's interesting that he said, they encouraged him to go back to the same spot they was at the previous day. Well, brother, we just lost in that spot. We just lost. But you know what they were doing was they was encouraging each other. Listen, we lost the battle, but the war is not over. And a big reason, which we're going to talk about in the winter, is because they know that the Lord told them to go and fight. The Lord told them to go. Now, they lost the battle. They lost a lot of people. And they were they were greatly, the, the Benjaminites, the uh, the tribe of Benjamin, they were totally outnumbered by the uh, Israelites. And they still, so they were probably baffled. How are we losing this battle? We have more troops. We have more weapons, everything. How are we losing? And they couldn't understand it. But one thing they knew is the Lord told us to go do it. So let's continue to go. It's important that we surround ourselves with people that encourage us. Now listen, encouragement is important encouragement, the, the Bible talks about having the gift of encouragement or edification or exhortation. That's important. But, you know, sometimes encouragement is not just, you know, like, hey, you're doing a great job. And, this and that. Sometimes it's like, hey, you need to keep going. Hey, you need to get off your pity party, get off your backside, and let's keep going. That's encouragement too. Sometimes we need to encourage each other to stop sinning. If we see it, that's encouragement. Encouragement is not always feel good, Let me love on you. That is encouragement. We need to do that. Believe me. Pastor Todd, he has that given. It's true. We need to do that. But in some cases, it's like this. When you're down defeated, sometimes it's a tough love encouragement like, hey, look, you lost this battle, but come on, man, pull up your bootstraps and let's get going. Let's. You need people around you that are going to love on you, will encourage you in every area, but encourage you to keep going. If you go through the battles of life and continue to lose these battles, it's hard to keep going if you're alone. If you lost one battle against the scourge and you lose another battle, two in a row like these guys, and you're by yourself, it's going to be tough. It's already tough. It's going to be tough on you to, to pick up and to keep going. That's why Ecclesiastes tells us that two are better than one because when one falls, the other can pick the other up. And it says that, you know what, You know, um, one could be defeated easily, but two that battle back to back, they're not easy easily defeated. They're not easily conquered or overcome. Because it's just something about knowing if you have somebody in the fight with you, you know, and that's why the marriage, and I wasn't planning even talking about this, but that's why it's so important to be in unity with your spouse. If you're married, I tell you, what, my wife and I has, has talked about this. There's been times where we've been in battles, and I know we have a great church family, great parents, great staff. But, you know, sometimes you're in a battle and it's just like, well, baby, if everybody else falls to the wayside, at least if we have each other, we're going to make it, Right? And we know that because even having a great pastor and great staff and brothers on staff and the, you know, that love us, sometimes, man, you, it, it's like you, you got to get in the trenches and only you and your wife or you and your husband know what you're going through, right? That's why it's important to be in unity and surround yourself with people like this. As I mentioned earlier, listen, we believe God is a four-step journey for all of us. And again, it's to know God, to live free, to find your purpose and make a difference. That's the journey he wants every single person and believer to be on. But I'ma be honest with you. This journey's not easy. This journey's not easy. If you've been a Christian any amount of time, you know that, right? Any, every step in difference, it's not easy. It's not easy. But you know what? We weren't created to walk on this journey alone. We were created to do this together. You need to surround yourself with people that are on the same journey as you. The main reasons the Israelites could encourage each other was because they were in it together. You got to remember that. The main reason they can encourage each other because they was in it together. You know, there's people that are goodwill that come alongside of you and it's good. We need this too. But they're outside of the battle and they're coming in and they're trying to encourage you like, come on, you can do it. That's right. You can do it. Go ahead. And you're thinking like, man, you have no idea what I'm going through. But when there's somebody in the trenches with you and know exactly what you're going through and it's like we're, we're fighting this thing together and you get an encouragement from that brother or sister, that's where it's like, okay, because you're, in it together. You're walking together. Listen to these few verses. I'm going to rattle off four verses uh, from Judges 20. And this is the key to why they could encourage each other. And and, and it's, it's summarized in really a couple words, but one meaning. Judges 20, verse 1 says, then all the Israelites were united as one man. Again, later in verse 1, it says, the entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord. Verse 8 says, and all the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, none of us will return home. No, not even one. And in verse 11, so all the Israelites were completely united and they gathered together to attack the town. See, they were in perfect unity as they went on this mission together. So unity is important. That's what's important about not only being connected to the body of Christ, but staying in unity with the body of Christ. Staying in unity and union with, first of all, the Lord, then your spouse, your family, and the body of Christ. You know, I was thinking about this today. And I was thinking about some people that used to come to church. And, and I don't see them in church anymore. And, and 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 I've been seeing them around town off and on. And I began to think about that. And I started thinking about other people that have come to church for a little while. And, and they stopped coming. And one of the conclusions that I came to of wait why they possibly left is because they wasn't connected. I would see them on Sunday mornings. See them once in a while. But besides church attendance, they wasn't really connected, and they stopped coming. It's not enough to just come to church and attend church. That's good. That is help. That's a part of it. Again, it's like a big toolbox. You have different tues. Sunday and Wednesday church attendance is great. But if you're going to bounce back from battles that you're losing, you got to get connected, and you got to be in unity with people that are on the same journey as you, and some that are in the same battle as you. Again, that's why life groups are so important. Why, why do we always push life groups? We're in a life group semester because there's different types of life groups. There's different um, uh, 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 not categories, but there's different. What's the word I'm looking for, Pastor Dixie? There's uh, the different types of life groups that we have. Um, Hubs, uh, yeah, demographic. That's the word. Thank you. See, don't we have a great staff? Come on, why don't you give the pastors a round of applause? I've had. Two of them bailed me out already. Pastor Kelly, get ready. You're going to be next. I'm going to have something I'm going to need you to help me with. So, so uh, demographics. We have different demographics of life groups, and that's why. Because, listen, we have a life group for single moms. If there's any single moms in here, nobody knows what it is. I don't know what it's like to be a single mom. I have no idea. My heart goes out to you. But guess what? When there's a life group for single moms, there's other single moms know exactly what you're going through. Right? we got Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights. Nobody knows what it's like to be walking through addiction and bondage. I do because I used to be an addict and an alcoholic, you know, but there's people that are walking through it like these these mighty men and women of God right here, Blue, his wife, and Rob, and they they know what it's like. They've either walked through it or some people are currently walking through it with them. Were you in the midst of the battle and you have somebody that falls and stumbles and says, man, look, I've been there, I understand, but hey, I encourage you, pick back up, we here for you. That's why life groups are important. So again, if, if, if you're going through a battle, check out the kiosk in the lobby of our life groups, go on the church app, go on our website and get connected to a life group because it's important to come to church Wednesdays and Sundays. That's great. But when you get connected, it's almost like, as I'm talking about battle, it, it's like you have, we, we have the whole army of God. And that's the body of Christ worldwide, right? And then you got like a smaller section of the army and it's, 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 it's the church. Then you got like individual little like regiments or platoons and that's life groups, right? And 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 everyone like special forces in the military, they ha, they're trained to do special things, right? Or different branches of the military, you can say it that way too, where the navy is more for the for for on, on water and whatnot, and the army is on land, marines or, or whatever the air force is, is uh, fighter jets and all this kind of stuff. They're specialized in certain areas. So when you join a life group, when you get connected to a life group, it's specialized for the area of life that you're walking through or maybe that you're battling with, and it will help you as you bounce back from a battle that you may be lost. Amen? Amen. Number two, continue to get into the presence of the Lord. Continue to get into the presence of the Lord. I know we just prayed that, but that word continue is more key than any other part. Because we can come into the presence of the Lord. And that's important, because actually look at verse 23. It says, for they had gone up to Bethel. You know what the word Bethel means, right? It means house of God. So they went up to the house of God, and they wept in the presence of the Lord, until evening, so it's important to come to the house of God, to come to church and get into His presence. But it's continuously getting to, into His presence every day. You know, I was reading some commentary, and one of the scholars said that they were they were definitely praying and they were weeping, but they were probably confessing too. As they were weeping, they were broken and probably confessing, like maybe sin in their life, maybe something that well, what was going on. Why? Because in the natural, we way outnumber the rest of the tribes. uh I'm sorry. As the tribes of Israel, we way outnumber this one tribe of Benjamin. Why are we losing this battle? So you see, they got into the presence of the Lord, not believed because they were praying, they were weeping. They wanted God to speak to them. They wanted to find out what was going on. Why were they losing this battle? See, we need to get into his presence continuously so he can speak to us. Because when we get into his presence, we get insight for the battle. We get insight for the battle going back to the military. It's like you get a debriefing before you go into battle, or then maybe sometimes you get into battle, and after you, you debrief on what's going on, what, what, you, you go take recon and find out what's the enemy like, what they're doing. When we're through and going through the battles of life, especially the spiritual battles, that's what's important to get into the presence of the Lord. We get a battle plan, we get debriefing, uh, and we find out some insight on the battle. Maybe it's the cause of the battle. Again, like the scholar said, they were probably confessing, Maybe we're in a battle because of our own doing. It might be some kind of sin in our life. Maybe some rebellion. Maybe be some disobedience. I was talking to the children this morning in chapel uh, about Gideon and how he was obedient to the Lord. And his obedience stirred up his own dad uh, to do what was right because they were worshiping foreign gods and stuff. You know, maybe it's a lack of obedience that the Lord's been telling us. Or, we opened up some door, like I said, something in our life. But when we get into the presence of the Lord, he'll show us that. And maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's it's one that I love. I read this early in Judges a few days ago that it may be that the Lord is teaching us how to battle. It might be that. You know the Lord does that? Look at Judges chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to the generations of Israelites who had never experienced battle. Do you know that the Lord will allow you to go through battle to teach you how to battle? That don't sound fun, and I know it's not. But that spoke to me when I read it a few days ago. Because I was walking through something I had never really walked through before, a new season in my life and dealing with certain things. And when I read that, it brought comfort to me in the midst of the battle because I was like, okay, Lord. I haven't gone this way before, and you're teaching me something through this. You're teaching me how to deal with this in a godly way, the way you want me to do it, how to be victorious in this. So, you know, he wants to show us divine strategy to win the battle. When we get into the presence of the Lord, it might be that he's shown us why we're in the battle, what he's doing, it might be a test to show us, to teach us, but also he wants to give us divine strategy on how to win the battle, which leads to my next point. Which is number three. We need to ask for divine direction. We need to ask for divine direction. Now, this is where it gets, the story gets a little sticky here. And, 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 but I, I, I know that the Lord, again, is faithful. He's, he's awesome. He's always on time. Judges 20, and 23. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin? Again. And the Lord had said, go out and fight against them. Verse 27 says, the Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. Verse 28 says, There's those lights, asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, Go. Tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So, as I said, even after they lost, first of all, the Lord told them to go to battle the first time they lost. Then he asked in verse 23, Should we go again? The Lord said, Yeah. And so you might be thinking, Man, they asked for direction, they got it, and they still lost. But the third time, again, the third time, he asked, they asked, and the Lord said, Go, I will hand them over to you. And they got the direction they needed. They even got a strategy and a battle plan. And you can read, I'm not going to read it for time's sake. You can read verses twenty-nine through thirty-six. You can read about how the Lord gave them the victory. It's actually cool if you read through the book of Joshua. They use the same strategy strategy that Joshua used in the battle against Ai in the, the previous book. See, we must continue to ask the Lord for direction in our lives especially we, when we are in the midst of the battle or if we're losing battles. Many of y'all familiar with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've been quoting this because I love reading out the New Living Translation. I read it out of New Living Translation, but today, because cause I named this point, ask for divine direction, I want to read it in New King James and love the way it says it too. I used to read the the New King James is the first Bible my mom ever gave me with my name engraved on and everything. So that was the first Bible I actually started reading when I got saved. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him. Now, I do like the way the New Living says it better. It's not just acknowledge him like, yeah, God, hey, I see you up there. It actually, the actual translation is, in all your ways, seek his will. As you're asking for direction, seek the Lord's will in all that you do. And he will, what, direct your paths. He will give you divine direction. Because you see, the second part of this this point is, is when we ask for divine direction, it's continuing to follow the Lord's direction even when it seems like it's not working. And I think that's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not Lean or depend on your own or rely on your own understanding. Because sometimes we get the Lord's direction like Israelites did and they go and they keep losing the battle anyway. It's like, this doesn't make sense, Lord. Sense, Lord. You told us to go, but yet we're losing. Maybe the Lord's given you a strategy about a battle that you've been in or you were in or maybe that you felt like you lost, but you know that it lined up with the word of God. You maybe got godly counsel and you, you know, you're trying with the Lord, but it's still not working. That's why we can't depend on our own understanding. Keep being faithful to what the Lord's doing, and eventually, I believe the victory will come. The Lord told them to go twice, and they lost. But again, on the third time, they were victorious. Amen? So we must continuously ask for divine direction. And then the fourth and final thing I see in here, and this is not a popular point, uh, but it's in here, and I think it's good, and I've actually been challenged recently and stirred about this last point. Number four, set a time Set aside a time for fasting. Set aside a time for fasting. You're like, Brandon, we are in April, not in January. Why are you talking about this? Well, we call it corporate fasting in January every year, and then we'll we'll fast throughout the year, corporately once or twice, maybe a week, or we have three days of prayer and fasting. But just recently, I've been challenged and even stirred, my wife and I, to begin to do this. You know, let, let's read verses, uh, verse 20 and 26. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fast it until evening. Well why do we have to fast? If we're praying, if we're worshiping, if we're fighting our battles, like why do we have to fast? And I believe when you look through scripture, fasting shows an increased dependence upon the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I'm depriving myself of food for a little while. And like that, it might be uh you might want to fast one day or just till evening like them. Maybe don't eat breakfast and lunch and just eat dinner that night, eat supper. And you might want to do that once a week. You might want to, you know, Take, take. you know, I know a pastor that he fasts 21 days at the beginning of the year, then he fasts the first three days of every month, and then he fasts once a week. Now, that might seem a little extreme to you, uh, but this man has had a powerful ministry, uh local pastor in a local church. I, I tell you, it's Pastor Larry Stocks that he's been here. He's coming for our men's wild game cookout. And if you see the impact this man is still making today globally, you can see his dependence upon the Lord, and the Lord has rewarded him for it. So when you're in the midst of the battle, we gotta war. We gotta do warfare, spiritual warfare. We gotta pray. We gotta worship. We gotta stay in the word. But sometimes we gotta take it to another level and set a time of time to fast as well. I didn't get not one amen on that. Cause we like to eat. I know I do. I said we. I'm putting myself in this. Not many people like to fast, but when you're losing the battle, remember the, the, my topic here is not just being in the battle, but if you've been losing battles, it may be time to step it up. And you know what? It may be that you need to start fasting every once in a while. If you're losing the battles in life, it's time to take it to another level. And I was reminded of Matthew 17, 21. I'm going to use the New King James again. When Jesus himself said, however, this kind does not come out except through prayer and fasting. I believe there are some battles are only won through fasting. It's by adding, they went up. And remember. This was after they lost the second time. You remember, they went up the first time, they lost. They went up to the presence of the Lord, wept, cried, prayed, probably repented, confessed, did everything they could, went back out to war. They lost again. They went back to the presence of the Lord, prayed, wept, and all that, but they added fasting the second time. They understood something's going on here that we need to step up our game, and they begin to the fast. And the third time, here came the victory, right? Some battles are only won through prayer and fasting. So if you feel like you've been in battles and you've been losing battles, or maybe just recently, and like I said, we're going to lose some. We're not, we're not always going to be on the mountaintop, right? It's not, he is the God of the hills and the valleys, the Bible says. It's, you know, there's times we have, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there are valleys. There's, there's times we go through tough times. If you read your Bible, he never promises that we're going to be on the mountain every time. The, actually, the exact opposite is true. As you read through, I'm reading through the epistles of Paul again, and, and that brother's writing from, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. He didn't do anything wrong. He was actually doing everything right, and he was in prison. He stayed in the battle the most of his life, the apostle Paul did. And so these are some things that we can do. We, can, we need to get connected and get around people that I can encourage you to keep going, continue to get in the presence of the Lord, seek his will, Ask him direction, divine direction. Get in his presence. Let him speak to you. And then, man, sometimes you need to set aside a time, and it might just be periodically or regularly a time of fasting if you feel like you're in the thick of battle and you're losing. But listen, as we close, one of the reasons you may be continuously losing the battles of life is because you don't have the greatest warrior on your side. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2 and 3 says this. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My father is God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Did you know that the Lord is a warrior? And When we go through battles, he's the greatest warrior we could have on our side. You know, and some people portray God as just a warrior. As just as, well, he is a warrior, but he's also a father. He's also a loving father. That, that wants to love you and help you, but he wants to strengthen you and give you victory and put a song in your heart and in your mouth. But you must come to him. Why don't you go ahead and all stand up with me as we close and get ready to begin baptism. Do me a favor, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just out of respect for those, that I know you might be new here. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you or, uh, you know, anything. No, no, nothing weird is going to take place. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and And I want to ask you, are you in the thick of battle right now? Maybe you feel like you're continuously losing battles right now or have been. I want to encourage you as we worship. This is how we fight. The Lord's battling with us. And really, it goes back to what Hannah said, that when we pray, when we seek the Lord, when we surround ourselves with people, that's the way the Lord uses to help us and actually fight our battles and to help us to go through and be victorious in our battles. So I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you tonight. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't mind, nobody looking around, you might say, Brandon, you know what? Man, I feel like my life is a continuous battle. I feel like I'm always losing every fight that I'm in with people, with God, with circumstances. And you say, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say like, like the writer of Exodus says, that the Lord's my strength and that he is my God and, and I will praise him. Maybe you can't, you know God is real. You know maybe God is up there, but maybe he's not your God. He's not a personable God. Well, listen, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. I talked about we might have sin in our life. Well, Jesus paid the price for our sin. We had a sin debt we could never pay. We could have never erased it. But Jesus paid the price for us. So if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if the Lord's on my side. I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I've ever been forgiven of my sins, but I want to be. You might say, Brandon, I don't know if today was my last day here on the planet where I would spend my eternity, but I want to know. I want the Lord on my side. I need to get right with God. Whatever head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord, I want to I surrender my life to God. I want to give my life over to the Lord. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Ma'am, anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. I see hands going up over here awesome to see young people raising. their Anybody else say, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I, I need to get born again. I need to get saved. Okay, I see. For those of y'all that have your hands raised, come on, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray this prayer together. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So why do the church, we're going to join. If you lifted your hands, ladies in the middle, let's pray this prayer. Say, Lord, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you, Lord, for choosing me. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. I ask, Lord, that you come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, congratulations. For those of you that raised your hand, maybe for the first time, or maybe you recommend your life to the Lord, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you said, man, I needed to pray that prayer. There's a card in the pew right in front of you that says, I made a decision with a green strip on it. Do me a favor, fill that card out, and on your way out tonight, go we'll turn it into the info center in the lobby. We got a Bible for you. If you don't have a Bible, we have a gift for you, and we want to help you along in this journey, this four-step journey that God has for you. And part of this journey is being water baptized, amen? So there's people that have made a decision to give their life to Christ. And, and the Bible says that whenever we get baptized, we make an, we're making a public declaration of our faith in Christ. I always use the illustration, it's like this wedding band I have on my head. I know that I'm married to my wife, I'm committed to my wife in my heart. But this wedding band shows the whole world that I'm married, right? So that's what water baptism is. Those of you that have, you made a decision to give your life to Christ inwardly. And now as you get baptized, you're making a public declaration showing everybody that I've given my life to the Lord. Instead of some of you in here, you maybe have just prayed for those of you that raised your hand and just prayed to give your life to Christ. Listen, if you want to be water baptized, we have some some shirts. We have some shorts. We have extra towels. You can come up and talk to Pastor Kelly or Pastor Rob and, 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 and we'll, you can get baptized tonight, even if you didn't plan on it. I mean, you might have just given your life to the Lord and you can start this journey by getting baptized tonight. Amen?